0: Wouldn't it be brilliant if you could take your knowledge of today and you had a time machine and you could go back and invest in a growing company when it first came on offer? That'd be great to be able to invest in an IPO knowing it was going to succeed. Well, in our text today, we find an initial public offering of a type. Jesus is beginning his ministry. Not everyone will believe, not everyone will obey, but for those that do, they'll see a reward and understand where the blessing and the miraculous came from. Don't you want to be involved in that kind of work today? Welcome friend to Arlington United. John chapter two, verse one, the third day there's a marriage in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. When they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said to them, Have any wine? And Jesus said to her, Something that in the King James looks very bold. I don't know if anybody has ever called your mother woman, but unless you're the Son of God, I'd recommend you not do it. <laughs> but Jesus said, Woman, what have I got to do with you? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, you do it. Brother Steve, it's so interesting what is not included in this text. There is no word from Mary after that. But Mark, when she turns around, she says, just whatever he tells you to do, you do it. I don't know if she was skilled in that feminine gifting of nonverbal communication and she gave Jesus a look with one of those eyebrow raises. I don't know. I don't know if she... Kind of did. I don't know what that, or if there was more conversation, we don't know about. All I know is Mary brought a need to Jesus' attention, and Jesus initially had not come there to meet that need, but you'll see what happens in the story. And if you've been to Sunday school before, you probably know this one. They were sitting there about six water pots of stone after the manner of purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. This is not our unit of measurement. My understanding is it's about a 60 gallon drum. Of, of, of water. It's substantial. But there were there were uh, six water pots there. That's a lot of wine. I hope it was a big party. Jesus said to them, fill it up. They filled them to the brim. Kelly, when God asks you to do something, do everything you can. Because when He asks you to do something, He's going to partner with you. Mm-hmm. And when God partners with you, that's a good business to be in. He said to them, draw out now and bear to the governor of the feast. They bear it. The Rule of the feast, tasted the water that was made wine, knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom. This is the, the husband at the wedding. And he said, this is unbelievable. Usually, you know, you do the good stuff first and when everybody's kind of Half out of it, give them something that's bad, the swill. He said, but you guys have saved the best for last. It's not in my notes, but I just want to tell somebody, your best days are not in your rearview mirror. God doesn't do anything halfway. And He doesn't take anybody halfway home. And He doesn't half answer any prayers. And by the time He's finished, what's ahead of you is going to be better than what's behind you. And the best is not in the past. The best is served, Sheila, at the end of the feast. Uh So no matter what you've been through today, take courage in the miracle worker because he does all things well. Jess, there's some good days ahead of us. We've got some good things to look forward to. He said, every man's good good wine, well drunk, good wine. you kept the best for now. This beginning of miracles, this beginning of miracles, did Jesus in Cain of Galilee and manifested forth his glory. Jay, you're familiar with the book of glory, this first miracle he did, and his disciples believed on him. His disciples believed on him. Lord, we love you. We're thankful for this day and what it means. We're thankful to be here in your house. And I'm asking you to bless each one of us as your word mixes and your spirit mixes with our hearts and our ears and our understanding let our wills be conformed to yours and let our lives become exactly what you want them to be for your own glory we pray in your name and the church said amen, amen. august 19th 2004 anybody remember what you were doing in 2004 think back now 11 years ago y'all weren't married i don't think no uh, Y'all were married, I know. I know a lot of people were. 2004. um, I had just founded a medical practice in Atoka called Comprehensive Primary Care. It's still ongoing. Uh, Just finished a refurbishing project on our renovated building for that practice. Some things never change. God help us. I was busy working in the emergency department to pay our employees because we weren't getting money from the insurance companies yet, so I had to earn money to keep everything open. But August 19th, 2004, there was a company that came on the stock market that day. And it was called an IPO, an initial public offering. It was expensive. They had projected it to be about $130 a share, but there was something called the dot-com bubble that had burst, remember that, Jeff? Dot-com bubble. So this company didn't get their initial price that they had thought, $130 or so. They went down all the way and most people that day the shepherd paid $85 for their initial public offering of a company that was known for networks. All it did at that time mostly was help you search for the nearest hardware store. Bluegrass concert, something. A company called Google. Anybody ever heard of it? If you had invested, if I had invested instead of paying my front desk lady $1,000 that month, probably wouldn't have practice, but if I'd taken that thousand bucks and I had bought, Mary, on the initial public offering, shares of Google at $85, I'd have $30,000 today, 30 to one growth. May 15th, 1997, I was on a psychiatry rotation at the University of Tennessee. It was my last rotation in medical school. And I was goofing off because I'd been working hard for three years and I was just about to have to go into internship where I was gonna have to work harder and people's lives were gonna depend on it, not just my grades. And so I was enjoying my last six weeks of freedom in my psychiatry rotation, standing around holding up walls, not doing much else. But May 15th, 1997, there was a company offered on NASDAQ that day and its initial price was $18 a share, Brother Jim. It was a company at that time that specialized in TV viewing. It had some competitors, you might've heard of Blockbuster But it's gotten into some other things since then. A few other things. You might have heard of it. Amazon. If you had invested $1,000 in Amazon, Sheila, on May fifteenth, 1997, at its initial public offering, you'd have over $1.2 million today. And somebody else could have scrubbed all this paint (laughs) and put all this in because we'd be in a different position. If we had known then... What we know now. Yeah. And just a little nest egg. It wouldn't have, t- wouldn't have taken a million dollars to, to gain a lot of value if you knew that the initial public offering was of a company that was going to grow in influence and power and monetary value and all that kind of stuff. Don't you wish you could go back to those days, May the 15th, ninety seven. August 19, 2004. You'd probably go to the bank and take out a home equity loan, get as much money as you could if you had that time machine. And you want to be in on that IPO because if you could get in on that IPO, you could quickly make your money back and you might even be able to afford a house in today's market. But the nature of IPOs is that not every one of them is a Google. Not every one of them is an Amazon. Some of them don't do as well. In fact, Kurt, 60% of IPOs fail. The majority do. In five years, if you invested in every IPO that went out 60% of the time, you would have lost your money. Because most IPOs don't make it most initial public offerings don't make it. But some make it well, if you knew which ones would succeed, man, the value you could have just in terms of your portfolio. Our text today involves an initial public offering. It was a first time on the marketplace of ideas for a rabbi who came from Nazareth. Came from nobody, questionable circumstances, a teen pregnancy with a shadow over it of a lady who said that the Holy Spirit had fathered her child. Nobody believed it. Not even Jesus' own brothers believed the story of the Incarnation and the virgin birth until after the resurrection. The evidence from Scripture is most of them thought he was a lunatic and wished that he would kind of calm down all this superpower, superhero, son of man stuff. But at his initial public offering, he didn't even go there planning on launching a ministry. He didn't do like I did, begged all of you to be here today at this IPO of Arlington United. He didn't call in every favor to get everybody to that wedding. He was just going to a party, Jeff. This dour Jesus that's a killjoy is not the Jesus I know. The Jesus I know kids wanted to be with. They flocked around him. His disciples tried to get the kids away from him because he was fun, Kelly. And he was the guy that you wanted at your wedding party because he wasn't sitting there harumphing and harumphing and harumphing and complaining. He was just a happy guy. He brought joy where he went. If there is no joy in your life, I would urge you to re examine your relationship with the joy giver. Because when Jesus is in control of your life, even one of the portions of his fruit of his spirit in us is joy. Amen? Amen. Amen. Some of us, the distance between our soul and our smile has gotten longer and longer as the years have gone on because I I know life happens. I don't mean to minimize problems, but joy is different than hilarity. Hilarity and happiness depends on circumstance. But Jesus said we can re- joys, meaning you get joy again, because our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That means that happiness depends on circumstance, but joy depends on sovereignty. It means that how I feel depends on what is happening, but what I know depends on what He has in store for me. And I'm so thankful that I have the joy of the Holy Spirit in my heart today. I'm so thankful that I have the knowledge that Jesus is on my side, and He He's going to do what that song said. He's going to work everything out for my good. If it's not good, it's not over. If it's not right, it's not finished. If it's not joy, Jesus hasn't had his full say about it. That's the kind of God we serve. Well, at his IPO, the apostle John described it as a beginning of miracles that manifested the glory of Jesus. See, the book of John is a little bit different than the other three Gospels. The other three Gospels are called the Synoptic Gospels. And what that means is they are a synopsis. They're a a summary of the story of Jesus. And they're sort of like three newspaper reporters, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They all kind of give their own perspective on Jesus. Luke, like Jessica and myself, like Jay and myself, was in the healthcare profession, and so he tends to emphasize the humanity of the people in the Gospels. Matthew was steeped in Hebrew tradition, and so you kind of get a Jewish perspective there. And then Mark was a latecomer, a younger man, and so his gospel is the shortest. And, but they all basically follow the historicity of Jesus. But John's gospel is very different. It is almost like the editor gave you the meaning of the story. It is a, it is a theological gospel, and it doesn't follow time by chapter. In, in, in other words, the first 11 chapters of John, or 12 chapters, cover about three years, but then the last 10 chapters or so cover one week and so the the early part from from John 1 to John 12 is about how God proved that he was resident in Jesus reconciling the world unto himself it's called the book of glory and there were seven glorious signs that were given and this was the first one but it wasn't dramatic it wasn't it didn't even seem like a big deal and it almost didn't happen The other six signs, the healing of the officer's son in Capernaum, the healing of the paralytic at the pool of Bethesda after four decades of frustrating prayers, the feeding of 5,000 from a small boy's lunch among so many, the walking on water in the midst of the storm, the healing of the man who was blind from birth in the face, listen, of religious critics who didn't even want to help the man, they just wanted to assign blame. All of these were dramatic the scene finally at the tomb of Lazarus, a week or so before Jesus' death, he proves that somebody that's been in the ground four days, Brother Stedham, can come up out of the ground. You know why he wanted to prove that to those people? Because Brother Shepherd, in about a week or so, a guy that had been in the ground for three days was going to come up. And I thank God because I don't serve a religious leader today. I serve the God of the universe who is not dead, but He is alive and well. But nothing that dramatic in our story. It's a party. It's not a matter of life and death it's a matter of embarrassment a young couple picture these guys but in robes and sandals you know those bathroom robes that we use for christmas and they're having a party i was at jess and rob's wedding and man it was awesome they had all kinds of food they they sat us at a table with interesting people So nice of them. I don't know what those people thought about us, but it was a great, it was, even the conversation was awesome. The food, we ate and ate and ate. And I'm telling you, they didn't run out of anything, they thought of everything. I mean, it it was great. It was so wonderful. And and I'm sure your guys' wedding was was the same. But these guys, it wasn't just a matter of pride about running things in. Near Eastern culture, hospitality was a very high value. There wasn't a Motel 6 or a Hampton Inn around the corner, and people's livelihood and their well-being depended on people being hospitable. There was no Google Maps, and if you got lost or you couldn't find your way, your life could depend on somebody's hospitality. So it was a high-value target, Brother Harris. And so for them to run out of wine was an insult to everyone who was there. In our culture, it would be like if you gossiped on them or lied on them or, or slapped them in the face literally or figuratively, or if you just turned your back on them and walked away and said something mean to them. It was a deep and abiding insult to not be hospitable to your guest. It wasn't just embarrassing, but it would, have, it would have hurt their reputation for years, Brother Scott. And Jesus is sitting there, and Mary notices, and she brings it to Jesus' attention. This is kind of interesting because you've got the God of all the universe who's in this limited human body, and there's no indication that Jesus noticed that they were out of wine. Anybody, well, I don't want to be sexist here, but I probably wouldn't notice that first either. But there's always somebody in every crowd who's looking out. They've got the gift of hospitality, and apparently Mary did, and she said, hey, uh, uh, Jesus, we got an issue on aisle one. And Jesus said, not my monkeys, not my circus. This is not my time. I wasn't here for this. I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready for my IPO. I'll go up to the temple, or maybe there's somebody's going to be healed. You know, I've been praying about this. I'm not ready yet. But Kelly, it, his mother brought this to his attention. And before the conversation's over, Jesus is giving orders. I just want to stop here, and I, I just want to plant a flag, Okay. When the family of Jesus brings a need to his attention, even if it was not his particular move that day to solve that problem, he listens when his family brings a need to his attention. Jim, you're part of the family of God as much as Mary was. And if you bring a need to Jesus' attention, it doesn't go unnoticed. And I believe that we have the ear of Jesus today. I believe if we pray for our children that He pays attention. I believe that if we pray for our parents and our friends, our brothers and our sisters, our fellow church congregants, I believe if we pray for our city, our nation and our world that Jesus Christ pays attention to His family. I'm looking at His family today as sure as if Mary and Joseph and James we're sitting here we're all part of the family of God and I want to encourage you today it's okay to bring something to Jesus attention it's okay to bring something to the Lord and say I've got an issue that I need you to deal with because he's not going to spurn you he's not going to despise you he's going to pay attention whatever happened between Mary saying I need you to do something Jesus saying I'd rather not and Jesus saying fill it up whatever Mary did whatever trick she pulled it got Jesus motivated. I don't know. I, I, we don't do as the prophets of Baal. We don't cut ourselves. We don't dance and, and, and do things to get God. We don't manipulate the Lord. That's sorcery. But I'm here to tell you that there is a scripture in the Bible that says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person Accomplishes things. It avails much. And I believe that when we pray in earnest sincerity before the Lord, we can have an expectation that He is going to get involved in our situation and He's going to meet our needs in the way that meets His sovereignty. And all the best that He has for us is going to come to us. I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel where we come out and, and say, I want this square footage in my home or I've got to have this spin on my cars. James said, You're not asking to consume on your own lust but when we ask in accordance with the will of god with an earnest need that we have jesus gets involved and he does the best that he sees for us if god has told you no to something it's because it's not good for you now or maybe not good ever but when god gets involved he will do the best for us when jesus gets involved Circumstance has to yield to sovereignty. When Jesus gets involved, the equation changes my god brother scott eats impossible for breakfast because he is a god of all possibility he is a god that can do anything and he's not intimidated by a short wine list or a health diagnosis he's not intimidated by a character flaw he's not intimidated by other people's actions or their words he's not intimidated by anything because he intimidates evil the bible says the light has shined in darkness and the darkness could not overcome it. It wasn't a second thought in my mind today because we've already passed our electrical inspection. Thank you, Jesus. I'll do a little shout. When I flipped that switch on the wall, I expected light to fill this room. I wasn't going around looking for the darkness to fall in corners in here where somebody would trip over each other. When I turned on that light, I expected the floodlight to fill this room because light overcomes darkness, Brother Jim. And it is true. When you turn your eyes to Jesus, I feel His Spirit right now encouraging somebody when you turn your eyes to Him there's nothing that can stand in front of Him there's nothing that can overcome Him there's nothing that can overcome His goodness in your life there's nothing that can overcome His mercy in your life there's nothing that can overcome His will for your life when you are surrendered to Him wasn't a magic trick it was a miracle Brother Billy wasn't a magic trick oh, I got some Kool-Aid in the bottle of this glass and I'll pour some water in. It's not the way it was, Brother Mark. And in fact, in order to perform this miracle, Willie, God in Christ had to suspend the laws of nature because it wasn't just a miracle of taste. It wasn't just a miracle of substance, but it was a miracle of time. Because you can make Kool-Aid in 15 seconds if you know what you're doing, but you can't make wine, Kurt, in 15 seconds because a seed has to be planted, a vine has to grow, a grape has to ripen, and then it has to be plucked, it has to be mashed, and then you've got to set that wine in a cask and you've got to allow that to mature and there's a fermentation process that has to happen. My Jesus is so powerful that he moved time aside to keep a young couple from being embarrassed at a wedding. Just because, and he didn't even go there intending to do it. He did it because his family asked him to. I'm talking about a God who gets involved in the lives of his people. I'm talking about an initial public offering that maybe you didn't believe in Jesus before that day. The Bible is so interesting. His disciples, his students... Scott, after they saw that, it said they believed Him. You may have come here today because I wouldn't quit texting you. You may have come here today because Candace wouldn't leave you alone. I don't know why you came here today. Maybe you're a huge banjo fan and you found out that Kurt and Andrew were going to be here. I don't know why you came here. But when Jesus is done doing what Jesus does, it makes believers out of disciples. It makes people that can stand flat-footed in the face of hell and earth and say no matter what comes or no matter what goes. I'm going to be a believer in the one who gets involved with the needs of his family. I'm going to be a believer in the one who makes sovereignty triumph over circumstance. He solved the problem of substance. He solved the conundrum of time because he is a miracle worker. There's a blessing of revelation that comes to those who serve and obey the Lord when he is at work. The crux of my message today to you is that the master of the feast, Gloria, had no clue where the wine came from. He just says, glug, 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 glug. Man, this is great. He was like uh, Gordon Ramsay or Emerald. Bam! This is awesome. Y'all may not know this, but Brother Littlefield here is a chef. And Remember that watermelon that we had carved at Jim's? Jim, Kelly's the guy that did that. He has forgotten more cooking than most of us will ever learn. He's amazing. But Kelly, that guy, he, if he was a wine critic, he said, wow, this is good. But the Bible says he had no clue where it came from. But the lowliest servant in that house knew exactly where it came from. Here's the deal about getting in on the ground floor of glory, Jay, is that the people that are high in society may know that something good is going on, but they don't know where it came from. But those of us who have fasted the meals know where the good is coming from. Those of us that have prayed the prayers know where the good is coming from. Those of us that have believed for decades, we know where the good is coming from. Those that have said, I want the kingdom of God to come to Arlington, we know where the good has come from. You don't need knowledge right here. You just need obedience to Him and serving Him because the lowliest servant in Cana that day knew exactly where the wine came from and those that were in authority didn't know because God moves and reveals Himself in and through obedient people. I'm going to make a controversial statement. I don't need to be smarter. Now, some of you might disagree with that. I do need to know a few more things. But Mark, my real problem is not intelligence. My real problem is obedience. Because those who obey the master know where the wine comes from. Those who follow the miracle worker know where the goodness is. Those who follow him who says fill it up and they fill it to the brim, that's the kind of people that God is looking for. I'm so excited today because Arlington and the Memphis metro area is blessed today because there's a group of people under the sound of my voice that when God says pray, you fill it up to the brim. When God says give, you fill it up to the brim. When God says worship, you fill it up to the brim. When God says intercede, you fill it up to the brim. I'm so thankful that I'm in a house full of servants today that say, Lord, you say it, I'll do it because I want to be involved in the wine-making process. Amazon? Google? Nothing compared to the initial public offering of the ministry that was going to change the planet forever. Brother Tom, once he started, it was inexorable. Death was going to have to bow. Sin was going to have to bow down. Satan was going to be under the feet of the church once he started his glorious ministry. I've got a word for somebody today. When Jesus begins his ministry in your life, it is over. The conclusion is already there. If you will stay with him, you are going to win. There are no anemic, losing Christians. There are none who are going to be defeated in their life. When you stand in the glory of eternity, I hope these words echo in your head today and you remember that He's worth investing in. He's worth giving your all for. He's worth believing in. And He's worth obeying. Because let me tell you, when this Jesus gets started in your life, good things are ahead of you. Good things are ahead of you. They knew because they were obedient at the beginning. They knew because they did what He told them to do. The servants obeyed and they received revelation. Everybody wants a word, a word, a word, a word. Well, how about... Obeying the Word we already have. You do that and you'll know plenty. You'll know enough if you obey what God has already revealed. I don't need a fortune teller to tell me whether to you know, air up my flat tire or not. I just need to obey the Word of God. Because it's a revelation in obedience. The disciples saw the miracle and they believed. We are in that atmosphere of obedience and demonstration and belief today. My words are pregnant with meaning because this room is filled with possibility today. There are believers who are contemplating obedience. And when believers begin to obey, Jesus begins to do the miraculous and circumstances begin to change. I'm so thankful today that we serve a God who doesn't just talk about it. He does it. He accomplishes His purpose. I love Mike, but Mayor Weissman may or may not know why the atmosphere in Arlington is changing. I love Mike. I talked to him last week. He's a good guy. Excuse me, talked to him this week. But he may or may not know why Arlington is changing. He may or may not know why everybody wants to move to Arlington. But I'm a servant. And I've been drawing water. And I know why Arlington is blessed. Because I've prayed with you. And I've fasted with you. And I've walked through our neighborhoods with you. And we've prayed over people and their lives and over circumstances. I tell you that racism and social divisions are falling in our city to the ground. Those chains are breaking and hatred is being replaced by love. And I like Superintendent Mayo. I think he's a good guy. I respect him and we communicate back and forth. But Superintendent Mayo in the school district may or may not know why racism is falling to the ground in Arlington. But it's not falling solely because of governmental intervention or something that's coming from man. I tell you why racism is falling in Arlington because I've been praying about it for years and you've been praying about it for years and we've been fasting about it and we've been asking Jesus to do something about it. And when the family gets involved and asks Jesus to do something, he gets busy and water starts to look like wine. And it's better and better and better when Jesus gets involved. Adultery is falling in our in our neighborhoods. Pornography and gambling and alcoholism and opioid addictions are losing their grip on people and families and the local health clinics. I praise God for the pediatric clinic. I praise God for PZs. I praise God for the new Baptist ER that they're going to build, but it's going to be filled with fewer people with overdoses. And they may not understand why from an epidemiologic standpoint, Jay, but I know because I've been bearing some water and I'm trying with my little prayers to fill it up to the brim because I'm praying that God will break the back of addiction in our city that god will change our city and god will transform our city and that families will be free to serve god in the freedom of this holy spirit that he gives to every individual who desires it and is obedient to him businesses are prospering they're becoming more ethical and more generous to their associates and their customers. And I love Tanya at the Chamber of Commerce, and she's a wonderful lady. She's helped us with our concert. I, I praise her to the high heavens. I-, I love Tanya, but she may not understand why our businesses are thriving. But I can tell you, because I've been drawing some water, and I know why our businesses are thriving, Sheila. Because on Sunday mornings on our prayer walks, we pray for our businesses. We pray for them to be more ethical. We pray for them to serve their customers well and that profit won't be the only motive but that they will be good to our community and that God will prosper them. So I know why the Chamber of Commerce meeting is full because I'm a servant and I'm obedient to the Lord. What am I telling you today? Our metric is not just this room. Our metric is our community. It's not just the people that sit here. Our town is our mandate and God has given us the ability to ask Him to get involved in people's lives and to make this the place that He desires for it to be. Does anybody have that kind of faith? Is anybody willing to pray those kind of prayers? Is anybody willing to say, Lord, I don't want you to just touch my little family, although that's important. Yes, it's critical. Many of my prayers are centered in my own home. A lot of my prayers are centered in my own carcass. But I want the Lord to do something bigger than just me. I want him to do something besides bless my 401K. I want Him to do something besides just make me healthy. I want the Lord to transform our community. I want every child to be safe. I want every marriage to be sacred. I want every person to be valued. I want everybody to experience the love and the peace and the joy of God as He pours out His Spirit on our community. Tomorrow Tuesday, I mentioned it, 4,468 homes are going to receive an indication to a gospel event where the atmosphere will be saturated with the truth of God's word, the praises of his people, and the anointing that flows when the name of Jesus is exalted. I wish somebody this week would tug on Jesus' robe a little bit and say, hey, Jesus. They're running low on wine at the crossing. I'd like for you to come by at 7.30 on Friday night. I'd like for you to feel somebody with your spirit. I wish you'd touch somebody tonight, on Friday night that's roaming by there. Maybe they just hear the music and they come by, but they're struggling with alcoholism, Jesus. And they got water in their life, but they don't don't have enough of your spirit. And I wish you'd come by and transform their family, transform their home, transform their health, transform their finance. Lord, I want you to move in Arlington. Would somebody lift your hands with me right now and pray for our city? I feel faith in the room right now. Would somebody pray that God would touch our city and God would change our city? The King has come to Arlington and He's ready to do what only He can do. The King has come to Arlington and He's in the mood to work some miracles. I tell you today and I challenge you today, if we'll pour the water, He'll make the wine. If we'll do the mundane, He will do the miraculous. If we will do the praying, He will do the answering. If we will sow the seed, He will give the increase. If we will be the church... He will bring the kingdom of God to bear. Stand with me today. Stand with me. I don't have any Google shares. They're probably $1,000 piece now. It would be hard to buy them. I don't own any Amazon unless one of my mutual funds has got like a little bitty sliver of it. I, Jeff, I don't have that time machine. I'm sorry. I can't make you rich today by giving you that IPO. I can give you something better. I can tell you to go and sell all that you have, spiritually speaking, and you buy the pearl of great price because there's an IPO here today. There's an initial public offering of Jesus' ministry. Don't despise the day of small things when God begins a work in your life. And I'm not talking even about Arlington United now. I'm just talking about what God is doing in our lives. If you will sell out to Him, and you will say, Lord, no matter what it takes, I want to obey you. And I want to believe in you. And I may just be a lowly servant. Maybe I don't know how to run the feast. Maybe I don't know how to cook the thing. And if I try to carve a well or melon, it would look like a honeydew. I don't, know, I don't know how to do all that stuff. I can't play the banjo. I can't paint. I get the, the trim on the wall and the wall on the trim and everything in between. And I don't even know. I, I, if I were up there, they'd still be trying to plug up sound cords. Maybe you don't have all that talent. But if you can obey, That's right. you can change a city. Amen. If you can believe, you can change a world. Amen. Rebecca, there's no telling what's going to happen if you just say to Jesus, hey, here's a need I noticed. Jesus, I'm your family. Would you get involved? Amen. No telling. No telling. No telling, Alicia. If you just take your, your water bucket And fill it a little bit more with some intercession for a family that's sitting right here today. Because he's still in the miracle working business. He's still making wine. He's still moving time and space aside and saying, that's nothing. I made time. I made space. I can deal with it the way I want to. He's still changing families. He's still calling children home. He's still healing cancer today. He's still touching people's lives. He's still saving souls. Willie, I know of people that are in their 70s that He still calls and fills with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and transforms families. When Jesus gets involved, He gets real good, real fast. And I just want Him to be involved today. Would you lift your hands with me? Would you pray that the Lord will touch our city? Would you pray He'll touch your family? Would you pray He'll touch your circumstance? Everything changes when the kingdom comes, everything changes. When the kingdom comes, everything changes when the king gets involved. Lord, I'm asking you. Amen. I'm asking you to do your work today, Lord. I'm asking you to do what only you can do in my family, in my life, in my home, Lord, in my community, in my workplace, Lord, in my neighborhood, Lord, in this church, Lord, in our city, in our world, in our nation. We're asking you to undertake, Lord, in the name of Jesus, the name of the Lord. You can respond however you like is going to lead us into worship right now. You can kneel, you can stand, you can come to the front, however you want to respond to the Word of God today. But I'm asking to respond to Him as He blesses us with His Word and His Spirit today in the name of Jesus. What an amazing opportunity to partner with Jesus in what He's doing in our community. You know, that initial public offering is available to you today. He's calling whosoever will. He's asking for laborers to participate in the harvest. He's asking for all people everywhere to join him in his covenant, to be obedient to his plan, and to be servants in advancing the kingdom of God. Don't you wanna be part of it? I do. Let's join his initial public offering today and let's see what the miracle worker will do when we join as servants with him in obedience and faith for how he's going to transform each of our lives. Thank you for joining us at Arlington United. God bless you.